Global Broadcasting Networks presents Coach Talk Radio. Create the time, money, and lifestyle you want with tips, tricks, and techniques that get you started today from some of the best internet minds in the business. Now, here are your hosts, internet brand strategist Sandra Beck and marketing director for Toganet Radio, Scott Frazier. Hey guys and dolls, this is Sandra Beck and Scott Frazier has the day off, but we're bringing in his daughter. Her, his, Scott's daughter today, Lisa, is producing our show and she's going to chime in because we are talking today about stress. We've got a great guest today. We've got Dr. Kristen Lee Costa. She wrote a book called Reset, Make the Most of Your Stress. And before we get into the um, get into the meat of the book, um, Dr. Chris, I'd like to ask you a little bit about your professional background. Sure. So it's great to be with you, Sandra and Lisa, this afternoon. And um, I have the privilege right now of serving as the lead faculty for behavioral sciences at Northeastern University in Boston. And our, our student constituency are all working professionals. And so they're often juggling a lot of different demands and responsibilities. And I actually, my signature course I teach to them is stress and its management, but I've also taught and developed a personal branding course here as well, amongst other psychology courses. And then I also um, have the privilege of working um, as a therapist, and I've worked with lots of high-powered professionals through the years um, who really need practical, tangible strategies that work when they're in the throes of stress, which seems to be the case for most of us these days in today's hyper-competitive marketplace. So I'm really glad to be here and just share, you know, not only what I've learned in the therapy room with those I've served, but really with my students here at the university. And then also in my own life, um, I've always worked in high demand roles. So I think I've learned just as much as a person as I have as a professional. I'm excited to share with everybody today um, what that's taught me. Well, Dr. Chris, I think, you know, so much has changed. You know, I went to business school in my 20s. I graduated with my master's when I was 21. And when I look at the pace of work, you know, when I first got into the workforce and I worked for Disney and CBS and Coldwell Banker, you know, they weren't exactly chump, you know, companies. Um, But the pace at which I work today, the amount of technology, the amount of, you know, I used to get into my office at CBS and I might have 35 messages. And, you know, as I rose up in the ranks, I got a secretary who could hand me my messages on pieces of paper. Um, you know, I just, I could go through those pieces of paper, decide who I wanted to call back. And now I've got, at any given moment, I've got my Skype chat up because I get messages in Skype. I've got Facebook and LinkedIn on a separate screen because I get, you know, messages or questions in there. Then I have my email. Then I have my two cell phones, my my work phone, and then my, uh, they're both iPhones, my work phone and my home phone. And at any given time, all of these systems are blowing information at me and I'm not even watching the silly dog videos on Facebook you know (laughs) we're just talking about like what it takes to get through my day because you know I can be on the radio and we've got you know people who want to make comments or that's that's important for my show but then I've got clients and then I've got my kid texting me that he left his gloves home for handbells you know it's that is very stressful for me you know and I think that's the story that so many of us share ultimately Sandra and, you know, one, one word that comes to mind when you're describing that is techno stress. So we actually have a name for it 
you know, we are in an age uh, where we have great opportunities. We can, you know, access the world at our fingertips. But we're also in a space where, you know, we can never unplug. And we have this culture that is a 24 hands-on, you know, go, 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 never find, you know, the breaks, never apply our breaks culture. And in addition to the work I'm doing teaching, I'm doing a lot of research. I'm looking at what's happening across the U.S. and across the world in terms of the pressures that we're facing and, you know, how is that affecting us and how can that lead to burnout? You know, that's my main expertise is looking at how do we navigate all this and not get fried and burnt out because the demands that we're facing are super intense and it can really lead to a lot of distress for all of us. Um, you know, there's a couple of things that I've looked at recently that really, you know, make me raise my eyebrows and wake up. So, you know, they're basically saying that one in five of us are experiencing high levels of anxiety. And, you know, luckily within the corporate realm, a lot of companies are now realizing that employee well-being is important. So there, there's disruption in, the, in, in that tide, you know, where we're always um, hands-on. But we've got a long way to go because... You know, we're living in a hyper-competitive market where, you know, we've got to put it all in. But a lot of times what I've seen, I've seen people get sick and die because they're putting it all in to the point where they end up collapsing of a heart attack or they're just to the point where, you know, their relationships are sabotages, all kinds of ill effects in their lives. Wow. You know, I, I think about that because I have a, my brother's friend at NASA, Dr. Ataro, died at his desk. And, you know, and I don't know what the contributing factors were, but, you know, when I meet, you know, these guys and you're going to laugh at me, you know, because this is personal. It doesn't have to do with business. But a lot of times I meet, you know, the men I date, I meet through my career and I'm single. And so I have these classifications of the guy who's going to die at his desk. And I look at, you know, this one guy I dated recently, great guy and everything, but he was so stressed and he had his two phones going, former Navy SEAL, had all this stuff, you know, go, 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 run, run, run. And all I could think of is you're going to die at your desk. Like, mm-hmm. There's just no downtime. And it's, it's, is it my imagination? And I know the term workaholic, I get that. But, you know, there's like tech addict or tech addiction or, you know, tech addiction or something. These people that cannot put their phone down or put their computer down. Or, you know, if I asked, you know, this specific guy, he's like, what do you want to do? And I want to go, I said, I want to go hiking. There's this trail I want to take. His first question was not, what should I bring? What time? Oh, I like this. No, I don't. It was like, what was the cell service there? Yeah. I mean, and, and I think that's, that's, it's shocking in a way, but it's not for most of us. And I think that it's something that is a whole new arena. You know, there's not even a lot of research that's happened so far on this because, you know, it's relatively new us having these appendages we call devices. Right. And, um, and, you know, they're looking at that level in the brain, you know, the level of addiction that can happen with that. And we know that it does take time to sort of reevaluate the impact on us. I don't think we even have enough information about what the impact is, but I think we all know and feel what it is um, so that we can, you know, sort of set new boundaries for ourselves and actually unplug. And it's interesting. I was at a, a conference this year in Boston, a Thrive conference. It was sponsored by Virgin Pulse, and it was very interesting because we had a whole, a whole room full of high-level professionals, and they asked us, you know, how many of you actually get up in the middle of the night and check your email? 
And you know, I was surprised, Sandra, at how many hands went up. A lot of people's hands went up, and, they, and there was discussion about how some companies are shutting the email down in the night. Um, but we're like, you know, like rats to the cheese. You know, it's just so easy to take that bait. And I think what it speaks to in a lot of situations, particularly our work environments, is that we don't want to fall behind. We're already behind. No one's ever caught up. I don't know anyone that's checklist is all neatly caught up on. You know, so that fear of, of falling behind is a, a huge one that then trumps our reasoning and causes us to engage in these behaviors that end up hurting our mental health. Well, and they hurt our physical health, too. They hurt everything. Lisa, um, our producer today, she had a, a question. Go ahead, Lisa. Well, yeah, I was listening about the um, uh, social media and emails and all of that Um I had heard somewhere that it's really bad for uh, sleeping and that it, it, it keeps you wired. And so that was one thing I was wondering if you knew anything scientifically that you do a lot of research. Because I personally had to, to, about an hour before I go to bed, if I can predict when I'm going to go to bed, usually I'm studying. But because um, I'm usually studying online, I'm reading things online, researching for whatever class I'm in. Um, and so I've had to have like an hour beforehand so I can actually go to sleep and like stay asleep. <laughs> um, but I was curious about what you know about that. Any advice? Absolutely, Lisa. It's a great question. I think that a lot of people are starting to key in on that, but there's a lot of us that are unaware that the lighting in the technology on the screen actually reactivates chemicals in our brain that cause us to stay awake, as you said, that we stay hyperstimulated. And so I think the, the last time I checked, the, the going recommendation is spending at least an hour off the screen before bed to allow your body's natural chemistry to kick in and allow for sleep. And again, I think a lot of us are going to be, you know, bed with the phone. Um, you know, I've heard some great people who are out on the trails doing the same kind of work I'm doing to spread the word against burnout and to say we've got to come up with a new paradigm, you know, that have said, don't even bring your, you know, buy yourself an alarm clock. Don't even bring your phone into your bedroom. But, you know, a lot of us do. It's under our pillow. It's right there. It's always next to us. And we've got to be careful because it can it can disrupt sleep. And there's amazing studies and there's just so many people coming out and saying, Sleep is critical to our emotional health. I talk about it actually in my book, in the Energize chapter, which is chapter 10, but how vital sleep is to our well-being. You know, we're not machines and we need to recharge our batteries too. So we need to maybe, you know, think about that. We, instead of you know, charging our phones, we need to recharge ourselves. Well, and, you know, Dr. Chris, I want to tell you something funny about that. Um, you know, I had my phone set on, and it was funny at the time. I Every time I got a, a text or a, every time I got a text, it made a submarine sound, like a like a ping, you know, for a, for like radar uh -huh. or sonar. And then if I had an email coming in, it made a gunshot. Clearly, I was dating someone in the military at the time. We thought it was hilarious. But <laughs> after a point, like after three days, I told him, I'm like, I have got to take this off my phone because uh, it's so alarming to me. I feel like I'm getting shot all the time or the, you know, the sonar, we go, Bong. and it was so psychologically disturbing 
But what it taught me was that was a gross exaggeration of, you know, alerts on your phone. But our phone goes off all the time with these alerts. And so I actually bought this Yoda clock. It's a Yoda Lego clock, you know, like a uh-huh. little kid's clock. So it's Yoda. <laughs> so I put Yoda by my bedside and I put my phone in the bathroom just because it would hum and buzz and whatever and disturb my sleep, which was a variation of the amount of of interruption it made from the gunshot and the sonar. Uh, this is uh, Coach Talk Radio. I'm Sandra Beck. Scott Fraser has the day off. We are visiting today with uh, Dr. Kristen Lee Costa. She wrote a book called Reset, Make the Most of Your Stress. We all have it. What are we going to do with it? How do we make it work for us? And we are living in a society that's faster than ever. Technology is prevalent from our microwaves to our automobiles to our baby monitors. So when we get back from the break, we're going to talk more with Dr. Chris about stress and how we can make it work for us. This is God in Country, the collision of faith and politics, hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical Rev. Dr. Sean is a proud military veteran, former law enforcement officer, and founder of the internationally regarded Executive Protection Team. Dr. Sean holds a bachelor's degree in biblical counseling and master's and doctorate degrees in theology and is currently pursuing a doctorate in ministry with a Hebrew worldview focus. Through his counseling, elite life coaching, and national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This series is biblically and politically engaged with the pedal to the metal. Join host and author of the acclaimed yet controversial book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, Dr. Sean Michael Greener, every Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here on this radio network. wonder where common food items found on most restaurant menus got their names? Bob Cobb, owner of Hollywood's Brown Derby Restaurant, created the Cobb Salad one night in 1937 when he threw ingredients together to make a salad, which included eggs. A cobber is a word for a friend, so dine on a Cobb Salad with your cobber. The Caesar Salad is attributed to Caesar Cardini, a restauranter in Tijuana, Mexico, who created the unusual mix of greens and anchovies when he was running low on ingredients for salad and had to use what was left in his refrigerator. Reuben Kalakowski of Omaha, Nebraska, created the sandwich we now call the Reuben. He first concocted it to feed some late-night poker players at a local hotel. What's the word for personal names that are now dictionary words? Eponyms. It's marching I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my new app, Too Funny for Words. Taking care of business every day. Taking care of business every way. Taking care of business. It's all mine. Hey, guys.
guys and dolls. This is Sandra Beck, and this is Coach Talk Radio. Scott Frazier has the day off. And we are visiting with Dr. Kristen Lee Costa, Reset, Make the Most of Your Stress is her book. It's an Indie Book Award winner. Gives you a 24-7 plan for well-being, and we all need well-being. Now, we're also uh, including today uh, Lisa, who's our producer, our show producer, because she is a working uh, mom. She is also going to school. Um, She is raising a son and she's married to um you know uh ben who served in iraq so she's got her hands full and i i like to bring people on the show with expert guests that have their hands full because some of the um oh he's a marine i'm sorry um semper fi ben sorry uh we um we get so fast in our day. And one of the things that happens to me, Dr. Chris, and I'm going to ask you about this and we're going to go over to Lisa, um, is is business is conducted so fast as it is. You used to have to mail contracts in, then we faxed contracts in. Now they come in email and, and even worse, they're in Dropbox and you have to go get the contract. You know, It's like all these technologies that are supposed to make our lives easier actually can get very, very complicated. But one of the things that I really struggle with, and you know, I own a technology company, it's Motherhood Incorporated. I employ moms to work from home in the tech fields and we do all sorts of ancillary support to missile defense programs programming, you know, to typing up contracts for real estate. The problem I have is people go, oh, you know Mac platforms, you know Android platforms, you can program, you can do this, you can do that. So why didn't you get me back an answer to my email in 17 seconds? <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm not a robot and I am still a human being. And, you know, we've got to set some limits. And, you know, I want to talk about, you know, like when I learned as a new mom and a single mom that I have to say no, like no to the PTA, no to the fundraiser, no to baking cookies. Here's what I can do. That was really hard for me. That was a real hard shift. But what I've learned in business with technology is just because we have it doesn't mean I have to be faster than the rest of the world. And just because you carry your phone with you doesn't mean you have to answer while you're at your kid's soccer game. And I'd love you to weigh in on some of these boundaries or rules or, you know, ground rules, whatever we can call them. Absolutely. And I think, you know, just what you're describing is something that we see a lot here at the university life too, you know, because we teach a a blend of online and in-person classes. And so our students, they're situated all across the U.S. and across the world, and they're, you know, they've got deadlines to meet, and they expect a very, very fast answer too. And I think that anybody working with clients or students, or, you know, this could apply even just to people in your personal life. How do you set boundaries? So I think the first thing to do is think about, okay, what are your boundaries? You know, we were talking before the break about you know that constant gnawing at us. You know, the constant ding going off, that constant signal and the techno stress. So for ourselves, you know, and Lisa, we were talking about going to bed, you know, one hour before bed, we shut the screens down. So we have to think about what's healthy for us. Like, what do we need our gauge to be? You know, are there hours in the day that we know we can be available to those we're serving, whether it's clients, patients, constituents, students, whoever it is, our family, whatnot, you know, establishing, you know, what it is that we can do and when we can do it. And then on the converse, when it's time for us to unplug and, you know, making a firm boundary. And I think a lot of it comes down to to knowing it, first of all, 
but then being savvy as communicators, which sometimes take a, a little bit of art. And I think especially in business, you know, in this marketplace, you know, I, I have a wonderful cousin, cousin Lenny, and he's, um, he's in the mortgage lending business and you should see him. He's on that phone constantly. And he told me, you know, I mean, you've never seen anybody that has more ADHD than Lenny. And he, he's an entrepreneur and he gets back to people like in a flash lightning speed. But I think one time he waited a couple of hours and one of his clients was really upset with him and they gave him, they gave him hell for it. And, you know, it, it's so interesting to me, but I think we have to decide for ourselves, okay, you know, because we could just stay on 24 seven, but if we want to take care of ourselves 24 seven, if we want to be healthier, if we want to avoid burnout, we have to first decide what's acceptable to us. We have to be at the helm around that, not everybody else, because everybody else will suck the lifeblood out and they'll want they, their impulsiveness or their anxiety will make them want an immediate response. So first we have to know what our boundaries are. Then we have to establish them. And again, that's where the communication finesse comes in. And we might say, hey, you know, and it doesn't have to be like so precise and so linear and rigid, but you could say, you know, in general, this is the best time to contact me, or this is a time when I know I won't be responding. So, you know, and, and there's that old saying that says, don't let your lack of planning become an emergency on my part. <laughs> you know, I think today's society with that immediate response that we're all so salivating for and conditioned for makes us just think it's going to be instant. But I think we can set norms and we can say, no, this is, this is how it's going to be. And it's delicate, right? Because we don't want to lose business or we don't want to hurt feelings, but we also don't want to get burnt out. And all of those things have to be balanced carefully because, you know, it, otherwise it's just nonstop and it, it really becomes unhealthy for all of us. Well, and Lisa, or Lisa and, and Dr. Chris, while you were talking, I was paying attention. I was multitasking. I wrote this little thing. You know how people put those little disclaimers on the bottom of their emails? Like, you know, this is for your eyes only and, you know, we'll sue the pants off you if you give it to somebody else. Um, <laughs> I just wrote this because I'm a technology person. I encourage other people to, to use humor to gently, softly tell people to back off. But I put as my signature now, last I checked, I'm still human and haven't programmed my human consciousness into my machines so please be patient with me when it takes more than 17 seconds or one day to get back to you <laughs> i love it and because, that, that go ahead. masterful right because it's funny you know but it's like it gets us thinking like oh yeah like because i think we're the other thing in this is that the person that wants you so quickly it's not that they're bad or they're they're a moral failure or something like that it's just like because they're also under so much stress they need it that fast but I think oh, well, you can we can throw it. you're you're the you're the licensed professional. I'm not. A lot of these guys are narcissists. They're bipolar. They're they're batshit crazy. They want an immediate response, whatever you call them. But your anxiety cannot be my anxiety. I just wanted to yeah. buzz it because I can say things you can't. I love it. No, and I think that's the ultimate thing is that someone else's anxiety doesn't have to become yours. Somebody else that stays up all night and checks their phone doesn't have to be what you do. And I think that's the whole key thing is we have to know what grounds us. And that's what reset is about. It's about recalibration, right? It's about saying, you know, I'm going to engage in behaviors that are proactive, that are positive, that are healthy, so that I'm not getting to the point of no return. So I'm not getting sick and burnt out. And what, you know, what we need to do is take responsibility for ourselves. But also, I think just what you did was great. It was clever. It's fun. It's funny. 
And you know what? It might help someone develop a little bit of insight around their own behavior. And that's what we all have to do. We have to realize there's major cultural forces working against us. We're working the jobs of multiple people. We've got all these things coming at us. And again, you know, when we look at the data, you know, basically one thing that really uh, a 2014 APA stress study comes out every year said that one in five Americans say that they never engage in an activity to help relieve or manage their stress. So when I hear this and I think about this and I see an action, I think it's a recipe for disaster. And, you know, it's kind of like if we were baking in the sun all day without sunscreen, you know, sun, sunburn's going to set in, heat stroke's going to come in, and we really got to lather up and find shade. And that's where self-care comes in. That's where our reset comes in. And we have to have a plan, you know, we, we can't just sort of go wander into the wilderness with no plan and no map. We have to have a map to navigate all this because the sun is shining bright. It's intense. It will deplete us. It will rob us of our joy. It will rob us of our time, which is a precious resource. And we've got to set the limits because no one will set them for us. People will override it over and over. They'll steal our sun umbrella. You know, they'll, they, they will not look out for us. And, and, you know, ultimately what I try to do is help us all think about that as individuals, but as a society, how can we say no to some of this that ends up sucking us dry and leaving us at risk for things that sometimes, you know, can't be undone. You know, when we get sick because of stress or we die because of it, that can't get undone. You know, damage, permanent damage can happen even by these little simple things that add up and make a big difference. Hmm. I'm just thinking about all the, the times that, you know, we stress out over, over the stuff, you know, just this little stuff. And, you know, when you, you just said something about like, you know, what people don't do things to relieve their stress and you're right. You're right. You're absolutely right. I, I was thinking about, we take seminars in how to be more productive on how to goal plan and goal set and, you know, all these different things, but, but you know, we're treating ourselves like inexhaustible resources or machines. You know, I'm not a copy yeah. machine. You're not a therapy machine. I don't push a button and, you know, answers come out. We're human beings and we need rest and we need care. And I think you're right. I think it just takes one person to start standing up and going, you know what? Enough is enough. I, as a company owner, I'm cutting your email off from 10 o'clock at night to six o'clock in the morning. I don't care. You're supposed to be asleep. And if you can't manage yourself, I will treat you like a five-year-old. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and again, I'm encouraged because I think a lot of companies are becoming more responsive to this. But we have to remember that, again, as human beings, we're going to thrive. We're going to be at our best when we're not exhausted into the brink of collapse. You know, and what we're seeing now in the data and what's making people really pay attention is that absenteeism and all these other, you know, turnover, retention rates and people's health are really starting to suffer if we don't rethink what we're doing and how we're doing it. 
Well, I need to take us to commercial break, but let's be real. These people care about the bottom line. They care about the dollar. You know, sick days only matter when I have to pay you and you're not productive. So let's figure out a way we can maximize your productivity while maximizing our profits. That's just me being bitter after our corporate America 20-year experience. We're visiting today with Dr. Kristen Lee Costa. Uh, Reset and Make the Most of Your Stress is her book. You guys need to pick it up, your 24-7 plan for well-being. When we come back from the break, we're going to talk a little bit more about about why we don't think of our brains and our bodies like elite athletes when we are elite executives. Not the woman I used to be. I'm free with Minister Diane Jones. Monday nights at 10, 9 Central on Toginet. This is your chance, ladies, to hear stories of hope and healing from someone who's been there. Someone who has fought back from the horrors of incest. Minister Diane's innocence was stolen from her in the land of alcoholism and mental illness, which led to her being emotionally, physically, and sexually abused by her parents. Yet in spite of this trauma, she has gone on to become a successful wife, mother, registered nurse, and minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not the woman I used to be. I'm free is a straight-up show to enlighten you and to lighten your load. Do not let the weight of this world or the things that have happened to you control your life. For more on the show and Diane and her book, The Story of Me, email her directly from her show page here on Toginet. Then, join us for I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm free with Minister Diane Jones. Monday nights at 10, 9 central on toginet.com. You ever wonder when people first started swearing? According to the book, A Brief History of Swearing, author and medieval literature expert Melissa Moore traced humans' use of dirty words back to the ancient Romans. How about here in the U.S.? The five states most likely to vituperate are Maryland, New Jersey, Louisiana, Illinois, and Ohio. Vituperate is another word for attacking someone with harsh language. Swearing occurs most often in the afternoon and evening or over the phone when a call lasts for more than 10 minutes. The next time someone cuts you off in traffic, try calling them a rackle frats instead of one of your usual go-to words. The word rackle frats is so funny that the event prompting the expletive becomes diffused. It's marching I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my new app, Too Funny for Words. Taking care of business every day. Taking care of business every way. Taking care of business. Hmm. I hear 50 seconds. I don't hear any music. Do you? No. Okay, well, we are back on the air. Sorry for the technical difficulties. This is Sandra Beck, and this is Coach Talk Radio. Scott Frazier has the day off. Lisa, Lisa blew it. No, I'm just teasing. We do have technical difficulties. Um, we all make mistakes. And, and one of the things that I learned early on um, was that 
you know, when I worked at Coldwell Banker, we worked with a lot of elite athletes. Um, you know, this was Beverly Hills, Bel Air, Brentwood, you know, really high priced properties. And these elite athletes, um, they would come and they wouldn't know anything about real estate. So they had these business managers and they had lawyers, all these people to make these decisions for them. And one of the things that they all knew was that they had to take care of their bodies. And I was always saying, Hey, you got to take care of your money. You got to know, write, you know, sign your own checks, all these, these different things. And I thought, wow, elite athletes don't understand that they need to understand the business side. And I think that's changing. But on the converse, what I found was these elite business people, you know, these elite executives, you know, the top of their field, um, my gosh, they were broken, battered, road hard, put away wet, overweight, skinny wives, you know, alcohol fumes wafting behind them wherever they went. And I thought to myself, like, how could you trash your body and expect to stay successful for, you know, sustain that successfulness? And then I thought about our minds, you know, because I'm in technology and it's like, why would I expect to trash my mind, you know, to blow out my brains because I'm overworking it? All these things that lead us to be successful in these high demand roles, it takes a toll. And if we don't acknowledge it or, or I don't know, Dr. Chris, you're the therapist. What do you do in those situations? I think it's something that has to be on the forefront of our minds all the time. You know, our minds and our bodies are really our tools, right? And we only have one brain and one body. You know, that's it. And I like how you liken it to the the athletes because, you know, obviously they sort of have a protocol and they have a whole procedure, if you will, or a way of doing things to make sure that they're really taking care of themselves to avoid injury. I think about, like, you know, construction workers, okay? Like, think of this as an occupation. They've got their hard hat. They've got their goggles. They know what to do to stay stay safe. For us as high-level executives, you know, people, I call it people who push hard because this is me, this is everyone I work with, whether at the university, in the boardroom, in my therapy room, you know, lots of people I have touched with are these elite entrepreneurial types, what I call the triple A persona, the people that want to hit it out of the park with a grand slam and have enormous demands on their shoulders. And... Self-care is their hard hat. You know, it's, it's our way of protecting ourselves. We need, again, that sunscreen to protect us against burnout. But so many times we ignore that and we don't pay attention to what we need, which is the fact that we need to recalibrate and reset and have a plan around self-care. So what I want everyone to do is think about where your bar is set. You know, like, and what I mean by that is, What are the expectations you have of yourself? And don't think of it just as like in your own head, but think about it in your context. What is your organization like? What's the culture there? What's the pulse? What's the climate? And if you're like most people, the pulse is probably, the climate is probably intense. You know, again, most of us work the jobs, you know, like the equivalent of many different jobs. Um, I was talking ironically to a company who specializes in employee well-being And the two heads of the company pulled me aside after they heard my talk and told me, hey, in the last year, we both gained 20 pounds. You know, we're both sick from stress. You know, we're not sleeping at night. And I'm thinking, you know, here these people are leaders in this industry and they're aging like presidents and they're not looking too good over here because they're not setting their bar properly. So we have to think about where we set our bar for ourselves in the context context of these organizations that will set it way, way high for us. And then we're banging up and getting all bruised up against that bar. And, 
you know, there, it reminds me of a story from something I was looking at um, in my research in the summer of 2000 at the Sydney Olympics. There was a vaulting competition with these elite athletes, these gymnasts. And what happened was the people who set it up set it up improperly. And when, when the athletes went to jump off of it, they ended up crashing to the floor because it was just off by like, you know, five centimeters, right? And because of that incorrect calibration, their dreams, their bodies were shattered. They were reeling from the impact of that. So these world-class gymnasts were totally flatlined and it was not in their control. And I think as entrepreneurs, as professionals, there's things that definitely fall outside of our control. And we have to look at who's setting the bar for us, you know? And, I, and what happened with these gymnasts, they were all up in arms and telling the judges, hey, this isn't right, something's wrong, we're not just falling because. But do you think the judges listened? No. And do our bosses always listen? Unfortunately not. But we need to really look at the centimeters. We need to look at our gauge and where we're set, you know? Are we set up for success or are we set up for failure? When I say success and for failure, I don't mean making the numbers or the bottom line stuff. I mean that we feel as human beings that we're, we're in a space where we feel decent, that we feel well, that we feel healthy. Because, you know, at the end of the day, Sandra and Lisa, nothing is worth the cost of our health. You know, if we take a massive crash, you know, all the success, all the accolades are going to do us no good if we can't enjoy our lives to some measure or another. Does it mean that there's a magic wand or a five-step formula? No, but it means that we can actually think about what we can do to calibrate and stay well because, again, that bar might be set in a way that we could come crashing down on our mat, and we have to really avoid that crash. Well, and you wouldn't not fix the tires on your car. You know, you talk about crashing. You know, you think like, you know, we, we get our snow tires on in the winter. At least we did in Buffalo where I grew up, not here, but in California. But, you know, we try not to speed in the rain. You know, all these things that prevent us from crashing. But I think it's only recently with this technology, you know, boom that I think of people crashing more and faster than they ever did before. Do you see that technology has caused a ramping up, you know, exponentially in your career over time? I mean, or is it just because the economy is in, you know, in the tank and it's fluctuating up and down and, you know, the oil stable, un, in, you know, the oil prices are in, unstable, causing all sorts of havoc everywhere, even though it's great to have these low gas prices. You know, there's all these things that have been on over and over. But the new thing is this tech wave coming in that I think is, is really causing us as human beings to crash. Absolutely. And I think, you know, you're speaking to it so well, Sandra, because it's a combination of all these factors, whether it's technology or just the hyper-competitive marketplace, you know, and a lot of what I talk about in my work is navigation of this marketplace. How do we cultivate resilience in ourselves and one another when the conditions are just so challenging and so complex? And as you were pointing out, you know, if you think about that car metaphor and the tires, what I have found in my work with high-level professional students and those I serve in therapy and everybody that I'm rubbing elbows with is that they're often spending, you know, and I say not they, I shouldn't say they, I should say we because I'm just as guilty and I have to remember it myself, is we spend more time maintaining, you know, our cars or our homes or our pets than we do our own brains and bodies. 
And this is where we go wrong when we're not investing in the things that we have to do to stay, you know, sure-footed and to stay the course and, and what I like to call anchored down. So I want to speak a little bit about, you know, this all sounds well and good, and I'm sure some of our listeners are thinking, okay, yeah, but you don't know my boss or my company, or you don't know that, you know, I've got to put food on the table. And, and again, in this economy, a lot of us are struggling, even when we have high-level professional jobs. Or entrepreneurs, people that are in startup situations, you know how it is when you're starting up. I mean, you're losing money left and right, and that's very anxiety-provoking. So I don't want to oversimplify this or, or just say that those things aren't realities. But they're all the more reason, really, to make sure we're investing in our minds and bodies because we have to make sure what we're doing is sustainable over the long run. And if we get sick, that's going to be even more disruptive than if we're taking little breaks. And... You know, I just wrote a piece not too long ago in the Huffington Post, and it talks about, you know, why waiting for your next vacation is not a good idea, you know, why that might be a mistake. And basically what I talk about in this and in a lot of the talks I go out and give to corporations and, and to my students here at Northeastern is that, you know, we wait for these big elusive breaks, you know, and they just don't happen. So we have to make sure that every day we're, we're do, engaging in something I call break rituals, you know, little self-care things, things along the way to reset ourselves. It might be we, we pack our sneakers and we take a 20-minute walk or a 15-minute walk during our workday. Just get out, breathe the air, enjoy. Um, it might be that we, you know, um, just take some deep breathing moments during the day. There's all kinds of reset strategies um, that I write about all throughout my book that are very practical and they take into account that person who pushes hard. And we've got to engage in those break rituals and those reset moments because, you know, I don't know about you, but how many of us have ever had the experience we wait for the vacation, then we get sick because all the adrenaline comes, you know, spilling out of us or, you know, something goes wrong. How many times does a vacation go perfect? So each day we have to stop and find those little spaces of solace. Because, again, it's not going to happen given all the demands we're under. We've got to make it happen, and we've got to really link arms and help each other, you know, give, give ourselves permission to do that, that, you know, we're not machines. And if we crank all the time, there's a hefty price to pay. Oh, Dr. Chris, I want to thank you for being our guest today on Coach Talk Radio. Your book, Reset, Make the Most of Your Stress. This is 24-7 plan for well-being. Um, you guys, it's a great book. You need to read it. It's it's one of those things that, you know, you could actually read and, and buy a copy for your own um, your own staff. I mean, that's the one thing, Dr. Chris. There's so many things here. Like, I can't wait to my next staff meeting because we're going to, you know, we're going to talk about your book. We're going to bring some some of these uh, techniques in there because you know, one of the things I'm really proud of with my company is that, you know, some of my, my staff have been with me 12 years and oh. they're not here 12 years because I pay them so great. I mean, they're <laughs> here because, you know, I care about them and I care about our listeners. So when we come back from the break, we're going to talk about what is this reset that Chris wrote about um, when we get back from the break. Uh, the book is Reset, Make the Most of Your Stress. Dr. Kristen Lee Costa. It's about 20 bucks, so it's well worth the price. You can get it on Amazon as well. There's a Kindle version too, right, Chris? Yes, and if you go to my website, Reset Your Stress, you can actually download the first chapter of the book, and you can also get a handy guide on turning your stress into success. 
Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lippman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lippman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With baby and toddler instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more, it's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. The fat that is deep within your abdomen and fills the spaces between your internal organs is called visceral or liver fat. This belly fat poses a crucial threat to your health and needs to be taken seriously. Aerobic exercise such as brisk walking, jogging, and swimming burns calories. Resistance exercise such as weightlifting builds bones and strengthens muscles. Both of these modes of exercise are important and both should be a part of your exercise program. Duke University Medical Center researchers performed a study and found that if you are trying to reduce visceral fat, aerobic exercise is your best choice. Aerobic exercise burns 67% more calories than resistance training the researchers found. So concentrate on aerobic exercise to burn away that dangerous visceral fat. I'm Annette Hammond. To hear other fitness and weight loss tips, visit our website at AnnetteHammond.com. Taking care of guys and dolls this is sandra beck and this is coach talk radio all i heard from that at last ad was like you're fat and then something else so, <laughs> like we're trying not to stress you out but yes you do need to take care of your body um and we are here with dr Kristen lee costa and she wrote a book called reset make the most of your stress and uh on the break we were talking about things that that we do like in my company especially we're west coast and you know we do not have a dress code that's one of the things and i actually fired a girl um who came in to work uh because she she would come into work with these high heels and earrings and makeup and the rest of us you know techs would look at each other like oh no you gotta go and um you know she was okay good enough employee but but i let her go because i couldn't take the pressure and you know one of the things about being an entrepreneur is you get to make up your own rules we have certain rules in in my office that you know when you're hungry you go get something to eat because nobody wants the four o'clock bitch you know walking out of her office and <laughs> the other rule we have is that when the dodgers are on or for me if it's the sabers you know if we've got because we're east coast so some of these games are we're west coast 
so your six o'clock start, six o five start is three o five in our afternoon. And you know, I know my guys are all on their phones checking the score anyway. So why not call a spade a spade and put it out there? It creates such a more relaxing atmosphere, and people get work done, and they they're very very productive. Um, and I was really surprised because, you know, I've had work experiences with IBM and Coldwell Banker and, you know, CBS and Disney were a little bit more laid back with some of this stuff. But when I go back east and I have to buy a pair of pantyhose, I just, you know, I want to wrap them around my neck and pull. <laughs> but um, I think that things are changing. I think they're changing here more on the West Coast than they are on the East Coast. But one of the things I will recognize that that having being raised as an East Coast girl and educated in a conservative, you know, university, Northwestern, free plug, um, <laughs> dig at Northeastern. Um, <laughs> but the one thing I've noticed here is that people tend to walk out of their offices and take a break a lot more. There's walking meetings happening because it's nice weather outside a lot of the time, or we might go out on the patio and have a meeting. Uh, whereas, you know, in Buffalo and the snow, kind of hard to do that in January. Um, but there's got to be other things, Dr. Chris, that we can do because I don't like to feel stressed. In fact, I am a stress adverse after being under stress for 20 years. Now, when stress rears its ugly head, I run away from it like it's a spider, you know, crawling up my sheet. Um, and I'm really conscious of my staff and everybody feeling stressed because, you know, we create better when we're not stressed. Absolutely. And I think what you're really speaking to, Sandra, is the idea that when we create conditions that we know we can thrive in, we do better, right? And and so in our adult lives, you know, again, we're thinking about people who can regulate themselves, who are high-level professionals, who are already super critical on themselves, who already bear a lot of stress, they're highly conscientious, they don't need to have punitive work cultures that kind of slap them on the hands if they don't have the proper shoes on um, or or that they, you know, want to have the game on in the background. And I think that's the beauty. You know, we see a lot of models that of that in corporate America. And I work with a lot of corporations um, to teach them how to reset and institute those practices, of course, the, across their organization. And what I find is when organizations have that human side to them, when there's creativity allowed and there's this positive energy flowing, it makes a big difference. And it really incentivizes people. You know, when we have a punitive way of doing things, when we punish, when we sort of say we have to be too rigid or too dry or too boring, I don't think it brings out the best, you know, lifeblood in all of us. And research even shows that when we allow people to, you know, create good relationships at work and have a positive climate, that's an incentive. That's what makes people feel more momentum. That's what gives them more adrenaline. That's what drives them to do better, not when things are overly rigid. Again, I don't want to be an idealist, so I know that many of us operate in, in conditions that are less than ideal. So I want to speak, um, just share a few things in terms of uh, things I share all across the country when I travel and I go into corporations and schools and nonprofits. You know, I've touched with all kinds of disciplines, all kinds of people in all different fields, and I love that. And I love just to hear their stories and kind of what they're grappling with on the ground. So I want to share just a couple of things that I think are important. And I want to encourage you to, you know, if you take a look at my work, grab, grab it and use it across your organization or invite me to come. I love to share, you know, ways that we can band together and recalibrate our stress. So one is this whole idea of creating the right conditions, you know, and, you know, the, the first step in realize reset is basically in reset rather reset is an acronym. 
And basically each letter stands for something different, a practice of self-care, if you will. And essentially, there's no one size fits all for any organization. We all have a lot of variances or for any one person. But each step of the model is a framework for us to say, oh, okay, this is how I could interject this into my place of work or into my daily routines. Okay, so the R is realized. So that's about perspective taking, which is a fancy way of saying when we're oversaturated with stress, when we're overtired, when we're overworked, we need to take a step back and realize that the anxiety we're feeling in that moment will subside, but we need to sort of regroup and recalibrate. And then the E is energize. Okay, again, how many of us are sleep deprived or, you know, not hydrated enough or not putting things into our body that are helpful? Or are we making time to go to our acupuncture or massage appointments? Uh, I find those things to be overwhelmingly helpful. And if we don't do it, you know, what, what's the cost? Uh, I'll, I'll keep going if you want. I'll just yeah, you. keep going. Go rip quick it. Quick helicopter view of reset. And again, I think you should read it or have me come and, and meet all of you in your dynamic organizations because there's nothing more than I love to be in person with folks and really sharing, you know, how to institute this in your lives. So S is soothe. Okay. Now think in, in the U.S. How many of us are addicted to caffeine, to drugs, to alcohol? Um, the rates are going off the charts according to the CDC. Center for Disease Control, and we have to really know that we're either going to soothe adaptively or maladaptively. We're going to cope with food. We're going to cope with other stuff that in the long run isn't promoting health and sustainability. It's really counterproductive. So soothing and leveraging the power of our senses is very important. The E is end unproductive thinking. And again, you know, when we're under stress, you know, we tend to ruminate. Our minds go, go, go. We're trying to digest. We're trying to process, but it's really tough. So ending unproductive thinking is about looking at new processes, new ways of doing things. What is it that we can put into place to substitute all that stinking thinking that kind of can erode our confidence and well-being? Um, that's really important, a positive mindset, a positive mantra. And then last but not least is the T, which stands for talk it out. And this is about community building. This is about within work, how can we make our work cultures more responsive to our needs as human beings? How can we reach out when we don't know the answer to something? I think a lot of us are really scared to admit mistakes, right? And to say we don't know something, but how can we create community where we can make mistakes? And I I saw there's a whole bunch of new stuff coming out, like mistake. Um, There's a company that celebrates mistakes because mistakes show that we're taking risks. And that's a really important thing in business and in entrepreneurs and everything else in between. We have to be able to take risks and to fail to learn from that. And so when we build a safe community where we can talk about our mistakes, we can talk about our vulnerabilities, that makes a huge difference in our stress bottom line, our ability to be more resilient, our ability to cultivate the complexity that we see all around us, that we swim in and that we saturate ourselves in day in and day out. Um, So Talk It Out is about sharing our thoughts and ideas, you know, working together, linking arms together. And also lots of companies are instituting coaching programs. Lots of companies have EAP, employee assistance programs, you know, going to therapy, accessing the help we need, not feeling stigmatized or shamed about that, but knowing if you're a person who pushed hard, hard, you have to know that your mind and body are your tool. You have to calibrate those tools. You have to take care of yourself. You know, just like elite athletes, like we've been talking about, 
We have to know what our bar is. We have to know our limits. We have to know when to say when and how to communicate them. If we don't, we're remiss. You know, we're missing a chance to really thrive and be the people that we can be and keep climbing up the ladder maybe or just keep being in a place where we're really content and satisfied. Well, and Dr. Chris, I think that's so important because, you know, part of, you know, these talk radio shows that I'm on, I'm on Coach Talk Radio, Military Mom Talk Radio, Motherhood Talk Radio, and Powered Up Talk Radio, is that, you know, the shame and failure and all this stuff can't live in darkness, you know, and when we shine a light on it or we we talk about it, like, you know, we talk about things today, um, you know, and I want to talk about a little perspective for a second, just about, you know, being in the technology field, you know, it's like you got to get over failure really quick because most of the time in technology today, I'm asked to create something where nothing has existed before or there's some version of it and you're asked to recreate it. And, you know, I have to fail like 50 times before I get it right. And I know that failure is part of the process, you know, you know, and sometimes my failures cause, you know, great things to happen. And you go, wow, I didn't think a machine could do that. And by God, it did. Um, And I think we got to lift that word failure. I know I do. I've got to lift it from my system that, you know, there are many ways to achieve something. There's many ways to do things. And what your failure, what you see as my failure was just my way of trying to do something. And I really teach my kids that I teach my employees that that if they're not making mistakes if their programs aren't botched up then I know they're not working they're not creating they're not growing because we just have to do that um, as an evolving company as an evolving species so I'm giving everybody here big permission to fail chocolate chip cookies wouldn't be uh, part of our uh, you know overweight overindulged American lifestyle if it wasn't for failure Well, and I think the other thing about reset and why I wrote it and and why I did it the way I did is because it's very hard to stay consistent with self-care and to navigate stress. So I really made the model and all the, I I use a smart goal framework and how to implement it. And again, it's good for individuals and organizations because it's so easy, you know, for something to fall by the wayside. It's unless our bodies are screaming out, unless we've got, you know, major glaring signs, we don't sometimes know how stressed we are or what those long-term consequences are. So yes, we have to take risk in our professional life and we have to know in our personal life when we try to set out to be healthy, we might stumble, you know, like we might set out, we might go to the gym a few times and then we forget or we might, you know, eat really healthy for a week and then the next thing you know, the Oreos are all gone and, you know, (laughs) the crumbs are on our face. And I think at the end of the day, It's hard to stay with it, but the reset model in my book and all my work is committed to helping everyone stick with it in small incremental ways that add up to make a big difference on the stress bottom line. So check out my website, ResetYourStress.com, and I hope to connect with all of you on social media as well. Dr. Kristen Lee Costa, thank you. You could host my show next week. Now I've got a, I just love you. You're so great. (laughs) Uh, We'll be back. We'll be back next week with another great guest. Thank you for listening. On behalf of Sandra Beck and Scott Frazier, we want you to get out there today to make more money with less time and effort so you can live the life you want. Tune in next week for more tips, tricks, and techniques from Coach Talk Radio.